Robinson's here. Pastor Robinson. So we're in Mr. Robinson's neck of the woods today. And so, Jewel, why don't you come on up here? Um, Jewel Robinson is a good friend of mine. My wife and his wife actually became, um, I don't know if they say best friends when we get to be our age or now, but really good right, friends. Right. Um, when we were training to plant this church, he was at mm. the same residency program I was at in Fellowship Bible Church, Little Rock, Arkansas, and uh, they went and planted in Boston. So they're in Boston today, and their church has graciously allowed him to come here this morning. And so who knows what they're doing today. Right. But, uh, pray, for pray for them. Pray for them. We're glad to have Jewel here with yeah. us today. And I, was, I, I sacrificed for our church as much as I can. So what I did last night is I stayed up and watched the basketball game mm. because he's mm. an Ohio State fan. Mm. Mm. And I wanted to know whether we were going to get an encouraging message or an angry message. Mm. Mm. And it's going to be an angry message, Amen. I think. Amen. So, <laughs> From the Lord. From the so, Lord. But... Uh, Jew is a good friend, loves Jesus. That's the most important thing about him. He's got a, a wonderful wife, Regina, some little kids at home. He's mm -hmm. trying to catch up with the Lear clan. We I'm are not. Some more. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, good friends of ours, loves Jesus. If you know some mm -hmm. folks in Boston, uh, that's a tough city to reach. A lot of college students and whatnot, which creates a, it lacks some stability mm -hmm. sometimes for the, the body of Christ there. And so um, if you know some people and you want to come up to Jew afterwards, I'm sure that he'll be available to do that, probably hanging around down here in the front, maybe mm -hmm. out in the lobby. Uh, but I'm going to pray for him before he brings the word this morning. Let me pray. Father God, I just uh, want to thank you for my friend, Pastor Jewel, being here today. And I just pray for him that your spirit would fill him and you'd lead him. And I pray for us that you would open our ears to your word and what you have for us. As we even think about this week and uh, coming into uh, thinking of the passion of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. and what he went through on the cross and, and then the victory that's celebrated through the resurrection that we'll talk about next Sunday, Father God, and the victory that we can have in our lives because you've defeated death, that there's no, there's no effects of death now because of what you've done, because we get to overcome that through your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that each one that's here today would know your son, Jesus, and that those who already know him coming into these doors would know him better as a result of our time together in your word and in fellowship and in prayer this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Good morning, Southbridge. Oh, man, I'm so excited and thankful to, to be here with you all today. I mean, this is just a blessing to be back down south, Chick-fil-A, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, I told my wife last night that I, uh, you know, I went out on a date with another lady last night. I went, took a trip over to Dairy Queen and said hello to the queen to get a blizzard because uh, our one Dairy Queen closed down last year and I'm, I was so sad. And so it's always a blessing because I, when I go back home, I'm like five pounds heavier whenever I go back home. But uh, Scott mentioned uh, my wife, Regina, is at home with our three kids. And uh, Shanna and my wife are just great friends. And one aspect about the Lears that we found out as families is that for some reason, every time they have a child, we have a child. It, it, just, it just never fails. And so after they had their second, I said, Regina, I, I think I may have to cut you off from, from speaking to Shanna. Next thing they know, they get pregnant, we get pregnant. And now your youngest is seven months. My wife is doing Ju in July. So I just, I, stop, Scott, stop. <laughs> Leave Shanna alone, brother. Leave her alone, man. You know, I heard you guys have a new house now, man. Just leave her alone, man. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But... But as, as, as God has, has, has done a lot, I'm, I'm definitely thankful. Um, but as I go into this time for today, I just want to just open us up in a word of prayer. And then we're actually going to take a look at the word of God from Isaiah 53. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for the cross. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be transformed and renewed through 
your resurrection power. And so, God, right now we, we celebrate you as we remember the work that you did for us all this week, Father. God, help us to be people who are proclaimers of your truth, proclaimers of your love, pro- proclaimers of your grace each and every day. God, I thank you, God, for this time, and I pray that your spirit would lead in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, as Scott mentioned, we are a pastor church in Boston, Massachusetts. Boston, crazy city of intellectualism, a crazy city where people come there to get trained, and then they go all around the world. They say one in six heads of states at one time from around the world at one time spend their, their lives in Boston getting an education. You know, if you look at our church, it's very diverse. It's very multi-ethnic. We have people from all over the world. Um, one of our worship leaders is from Thailand. We have another young lady on guitar from Brazil and all over, all over the country, all over the world. And as Scott mentioned, one of our bigger challenges is that people come to get trained and then they, they, they go leave. And so God has called us there to, to really impact the nations through having a, a, a local church, a local assembly of believers who just love Jesus, but then also go wherever God sends them to be. You know, oftentimes in life, we, 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 we look at ourselves and we look at our lives. And if you're in a situation like ours, sometimes you see, you see heartache, you see pain, you see people hurting. You know, last week I was, I was with a family in our church and, and they had to go to court because they had an issue with their, with their son who accused the, the, the parents of, 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 of abuse. You know, last year I, uh, I did a funeral for a young man who was, for, 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 who was killed, shot and killed at 16 years old, shot in the head. And so oftentimes when we go through pain, we don't, we don't really know what to do with it. We, we wrestle with ourselves. We ask, we say, why God me? Why God now? We have all these different questions. But the great thing about God is that he speaks to our pain, that he speaks to our sorrows, that he speaks to our hurts. And so if you will, why don't you turn with me to Isaiah 53, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Isaiah 53, I'm reading from the NIV, and I know I'm not at home, but at Heart Change Fellowship, whenever you get to the text, why don't you just say, I got it. All right, Pastor Scott, come on. (laughs) Isaiah 53, surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The iniquity of us all. You know, as we see here in, in Isaiah, there was, there was this, this tension that was taking place with the people of Israel. Their nation was divided. Assyria was, 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 was now leading the charge in terms of the, the, being a powerful nation. And the people, as they were looking for this Messiah, saw him as this this hero that they wanted. 
They saw him as being someone that would deliver them. And so for so much time, they, they were in anguish and they were in hurt and they were in pain, expecting one to save them. That's why in Zechariah 9 and 9, it reads that, Behold, that king cometh upon thee, he is just and having salvation. Hmm. You know, what's great about God is that even though we experience hurts, and even though we experience the pains of life and the trials of life and the challenges of life, that the reality is that because of our suffering Savior, that we don't have to walk through life alone, that we don't have to walk through life hurting, that we don't have to walk through life questioning the very nature of who God is. And so the title of my message today is Pain with a Purpose. Pain with a Purpose. That first of all, if we look at verses four through six, if you see that Jesus, that his death was necessary. That Jesus, as this verse foreshadows Jesus, that he is our, our substitutionary atonement. That he took the place of us bearing our weaknesses and our insecurities and our shame and our fears and our hurts, bearing it all on us, bearing it all for us, taking it on, our, our, taking it on his shoulders for us. And I love this, this, this portion of the text here because if you look at some of the, 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 the plural pronouns here, our griefs, our sorrows, our iniquities, our transgressions or our rebellion, hmm, that he took them all upon himself, that he took them all upon himself. That's why Romans 3 and 25 says that God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Wow. That he took on the anguish. He took it up on our behalf. Just as Abraham and Isaac, the father lifted up his son to be sacrificed. Just as the son, in Matthew 20 and 28, of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That he died on our behalf. That, 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 he, that he carried a burden that we could not carry in and of ourselves. You know, for us living in Boston, we've been there now for, for six years. And it's been a, it, we've, we've seen some of the highs of life and some of the lows of life. You know, we've seen God do amazing things. And we've, we've had situations where we've, we, we've dealt with anguish. You know, I remember when we moved to Boston, we, we, we hired some movers to help unload the truck. And I remember as we had gotten off the road, we had driven from Little Rock, Arkansas, all the way to Boston. And as we had pulled up, this was late in the day, we said, man, we have these movers and it's late and we're tired. You know, the sun is going down and they have to unload this whole truck. And mind you, two guys walked out and I'm thinking, man, these guys can't do this. These guys are, are small. I'm like, come on, man. I'm like 50 pounds heavier than these guys. But the thing is, is that when they, when they got out of their truck and they, and they got up to the truck, they started, you know, putting stuff on their shoulders. They started putting things on their backs. They started to, to just go and take it. And they had belts on and straps on, and they just started going to work. 
And I remember looking at them and thinking, man, these guys are so efficient. These guys are getting the job done. Man, this is amazing. These guys really taught me something that day. And what they taught me is that they were able to carry the load, that they knew how to carry the load effectively, that they knew how to carry everything that we had in our possession in a way that, 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 was, that, that, that showed their ability, but it was also with great efficiency. And that's the same thing about Jesus, is that he knows how to carry our load, that he knows how to carry our hurts and our sorrows and our, con- our concerns and our hurts, every last one of them. Mm. And so verse 5 rings so true. Verse 5 rings so true. That but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. That he became the, the, the sin offering and the guilt offering for us. That he became the sacrificial lamb for us. That he became the source of, of healing. And so if we look at it today in, in 21st century culture, what does it mean to be healed? After all, Jesus did something 2,000 years ago. What does it mean to be healed? 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says that God met him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him that we might become the righteousness of God. Galatians 5 and 1 says that it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Therefore, do not let yourselves be burdened again. What? By a yoke of slavery. Hmm. to be healed, that we're, we're no longer tied to the world, that we're no longer tied to addiction, that we're no longer tied to our pride, that we're no longer tied to our fear. Why? Because Jesus paid a work on the, on the cross that we couldn't pay in and of ourselves, but also resurrected from the dead and ascended unto the Father so that we would be able to live with freedom, so that we would be able to have peace and joy in our hearts, that you'd be able to to walk through the streets of Raleigh and Durham and be able to say, I've been set free by the blood of Jesus and that there's something about my life that's different and it's been changed and transformed. The vision of this church is to see life change. That hopefully the people around you are able to see Christ lived out in your life. Hopefully they're able to see that there's something different about the way in which you live your life. Why? Because you've been healed. Mm. Your pain has a purpose. Your sorrows have a purpose to glorify God. Mm. That's why it's so much of a blessing to be in the family of God, to know that, that we can be reconciled with God, to know that we can be forgiven of our sin so that Jesus can do a work in us. Amen? Amen. Let's look back at the text. Verse 7, that he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before, his shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. That Jesus, his his death from the cross, uh, that his death was voluntary, right? 
that he didn't complain about going to the cross. That even, even Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm, a meek lamb. You know, that's why I love it. In the, when we see John the Baptist, when he, when, 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 when he saw Jesus coming along the road, he could have said a lot of things, couldn't he? He could have said, oh, here, here, comes, here comes the Savior. All you heathens, stop sinning right now. Here he comes. You know, all of you that thought I was crazy, look at the clothes I have and the food that I eat. I'm justified now because the one that you've been, you've been praying about and talking about, he's on the way right now. He's coming, and he's going to make you pay, right? But he didn't do that. What did he say? Mm. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That he started out by proclaiming to the world who he is, that he is the Lamb of God. He could have said he's the warrior, he's the champion, he's the, he's the victor. He said he's the Lamb of God who does what? Who takes away the sin of the world. Mm. That Jesus voluntarily took on the sin of the world. Mm. That's why Romans 3 and 22 says that the righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. That there is no difference for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things about living in Boston is that there are nonprofits for anything that you can imagine. Anything and everything that you can imagine. I mean, you know, you, I hear this from people all the time. Oh, you know, we started this organization for the kids and we love the kids. And then we hear someone else, oh, I love the homeless. Or, you know what, every single bird in the city of Boston that has one leg, we want to get a peg for it so that it can fly like all the other birds. <laughs> I mean, you, you, just hear, you just hear all these different nonprofits. And as a matter of fact, in the state of Massachusetts, there are 36,000 nonprofits. That everyone has, a, has an idea and a vision and a dream to, to do something and to change something and to change the world. But the sad reality is that often when people are starting these, these organizations, they'll say to me, you know, I, I, man, you guys are doing a great work with your church and everything, but, you know, my, my, you know, my, my, my nonprofit is like my religion. You know, it's like my faith because I'm doing such a good work for these people. I'm doing such a great work for, for, for those kids or for the homeless. And it's sad to hear people have that mindset because the reality is that no matter how good that organization is, no matter how many people are helped, no matter what they're, they're able to, to accomplish, if they are not submitted to Jesus Christ, if they have not asked Jesus to forgive them of their sins and asked Jesus to, make, to, to be Lord over their lives, that as much great work as they can do, as many people as they can help, it will never match up to the righteousness of God. That it will never match up to the standard of what Jesus set for us on the cross and through his resurrection power. Mm. They will never match up. And so that organization is seen as, as, as something to be worshipped instead of it seen as as a reflection of God's glory in their lives, which is so sad because there are so many people who are dying without 
Jesus transforming their hearts, believing that they're doing something great for God, then they're really not. Hmm. And so if we look at this text, we see something very central here in verse 8. That it says that for he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people, he was stricken. Hmm. That because Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God, the question for us that we need to think about is, is how, do I, how do I view my pain? How do I view my sorrows? How do I view what's going on in my life right now at this very present moment? That he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people, he was stricken. Hey, Pastor, you, you don't know what I've gone through with my spouse. You don't, you don't know what I've experienced with my kids who, who, who don't love Jesus right now. Like, you, you, you don't know what I've experienced in my past and the people who have hurt me. For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was stricken. But you, 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 don't, you don't know what I've been through. For, the, for he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was stricken. That often when we, when we go through our pains and when we, we go through our hurts, we often look at it at, at us. We look at ourselves. We look at a mirror and we look at ourselves. Sometimes forgetting about the price that Christ paid on the cross on our behalf. Forgetting about the, 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 the price that, that he paid so that we would be able to live in freedom. So that we would be able to not be bound by the sin and the chains of this world. So that no matter what we've done, no matter what we feel, we felt in our own lives, that we have a holy and a righteous God who sent his son to die on our behalf so that we would be able to experience his resurrection power each and every day. His resurrection power to be healed, to be transformed, to be made anew, to be given life abundantly, to be able to know that we can have hope in the midst of darkness, so that we can be able to have hope in the midst of pain, so that we would be able to have hope even if our experiences don't communicate to us from a worldly standpoint that hope even has value. <clears throat> and that's what the Jesus, that's the Jesus that we serve that gives us hope. Mm. So what does this mean for us today? That if we look at our lives, we see that as Jesus suffered on our behalf, as Jesus took the pain on our behalf, one thing we understand that is that in this world that pain is temporary. That's why John 6 and 33 says that I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but be of what? But take heart or be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. For I have overcome the world. We live in a culture today where, where we have so many things to medicate our issues and our problems and our concerns, whether it be pornography, whether it be I want to go to medications, prescription drugs. We have so many things, so many different pleasures to medicate it. You know, it says that the porn industry makes more money than the NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, NASCAR, and college sports combined. You know, last week we had, what, the Mega Millions? 
Everyone was trying to get a lottery ticket so that they can win the, the, win the big prize of how much money? $640 million. They said that $1.5 billion tickets were sold for that one ticket. USA Today, they did some statistics on it, and they said, you are 176 times more likely to get struck by lightning than to, to win the Mega Millions. They said, you are 3.76 times more likely to be killed by fireworks. <laughs> they said, you are nine times more likely to have a TV fall on your head than to win it, right? They also said, how long does it take the government to spend $640 million? An hour and a half. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation, right? 42 states, D.C. and the Virgin Islands, $1.5 billion. That our culture wants the, wants the pain to go away. And if I just buy, buy this lottery ticket, then everything is going to be all right in my life. If I just get a, a few million dollars, it'll just take care and ease my pain. One dollar or five dollars for six hundred and forty million dollars. Mm. You know, the blessing of this life is that our pain is temporary. And that if we are in Christ, if we are in Jesus, that he goes to prepare a place for us. That the, that the, that, that the temporary pains that we deal with in this life are here only for a moment. And that the pain that we experience here is only for a season. And so my encouragement, even for you here today, is that if you are going through pain, if you're going through hurt, if you're going through rejection, give it over to Jesus. Allow him to be the one to bring healing to your soul and healing to your heart. So that he would be able to make you into the person that, you want, that he wants you to be. Hmm. That's why John 14 and 3 says, that if, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. That when we're absent in the body, that we're present with the Lord. That is only temporary, saints. And so I just want to encourage you that if, if you're going through right now, that I want to encourage you that the pain that you're experiencing is temporary. And you may say, you know, Pastor, I've, I've, I've felt this for, for, for decades. I've felt this, you know, for the t from the time I got married. My encouragement will be to trust Jesus. And to don't, don't walk through this alone. Don't walk through this alone. You know, I know one of, the, one of the awesome aspects about this church is that it's set up for people to have community together. To have life groups, community groups here at the church. So that people are able to walk through it together. And that's the value of the body of Christ, is that when we hurt, we should never have to walk through things by ourselves. That we should never have to live life on our, on our own island. That we have people who walk with us and carry our burdens and our sorrows with us. But not only is pain temporary, but pain also helps us build a heart of worship. That's why Peter says in 1 Peter 4 and 12, he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though some strange, something strange were happening to you. He said, But rejoice 
that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Verse 16, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Praise God that you bear that name. Praise God that you bear the name. Praise God that you bear the markings of Christ. Praise God that you've, you've made it through. Praise God when you give it over to God. Praise God when others say things about you for your faith. Praise God when, when, when you make it through and you're able to have a testimony and say, Jesus, it's only because of you that I'm able to be where I am right now. Praise God. Hmm. Pray, when, when we go through our pain, it gives God an opportunity to show his greatness. You know, I once heard it said that many of us aren't even usable until we go through great pain and affliction. That once we go through that pain, it, it, it humbles us. It shows us who we really are, really are depending on. Because that's the point where God can really use us to do the work that he wants us to do. Think about it for a second. Joseph, Joseph had to, to go through his season of, of being sold into slavery. He had to go through his season of being in prison. But then we see when, once he was working in Egypt that God used him in a mighty way, that his, his pain turned into to God's ultimate blessing. The challenge of the situation turned into God's blessing, that we didn't see him complain, that all throughout the process we saw him praise God. Not only Joseph, we see this in Nehemiah. You know, I love the story of Nehemiah. You know, we see that he had a heart for his people. He was now working for a foreign nation. But one significant aspect that always sticks out to my mind, especially if you read Nehemiah 1, is how quickly, when he heard the news about the, about the breach in the wall, how he prayed, how he prayed and spent time in prayer. You know, I wonder what his life would have been like if he hadn't been removed from the people for a while. I wonder if he would have still had that, that burden for the people if he hadn't spent time away from them. Who knows? Only God knows. You know, sometimes when we, when we, when we take a step back and, 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 and go away, sometimes that's when, when, when God wants to speak to us about having a bigger heart for someone else, for some of the people in our lives, similar to Nehemiah. Maybe if he would have not gone away from the Israelites, he may not have had the same heart for his people. You know, even looking at Timothy and his life, looking at Lois and Eunice, his, his grandmother and his mother. Imagine, this is why I can't wait to get to heaven, is just to sit down with those ladies and to ask them, what, what are some of the things that you taught Timothy? What, what are some of the, the, the lessons that you, you, you taught him about God as he grew up? You know, because I, I, I realize that, that, that the, the, the men in your life probably let you down, but what does it look like to really try to train up a young man in righteousness? And to, and to do it to the best of your ability. You know, for me, I grew up in a, in a single-parent household in Cleveland, Ohio. And so I would love to sit down and just talk to them about what 
they experienced. They could have been angry and, and bitter at God. But we see here that, 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 that in 2 Timothy that, that, that Paul even communicates his affection for them. And we see the man of God that Timothy became in being a leader of the church. Imagine what that conversation was like. That, that the pain that he probably experienced had a purpose. Mm. And so for some of us who are here today, we may be dealing with pain ourselves. We may be dealing with the hurts and the pains of this life and this world. You know, I shared earlier that for my, my, my wife and I, we, we moved to Boston in, in 2006, and uh, we actually started our church in 2007. That year was a, was a, was a crazy year. Uh, we were getting ready to have our, our second child. Valentine's Day 2007, we went to the radiologist to find out the sex of our, of our child. So we go into the room, and as we're, we're sitting down, the, the, the radiologist sort of has the, you know, sort of looking on the inside, has the machine hooked up, you know, trying to figure out what's going on, leg, arm, head, one baby, praise the Lord, you know, doing all of that. And so as he's doing it, he, he looks at us and says, sir, ma'am, there's a problem. And so we look at each other, and we're thinking, okay, what's going on? He walks out of the room and says, you know, I need to get someone else to look at this. Comes back in the room and says, you see right here, like your, your baby has, has, has fluid on the brain. And, and, you know, he brings in another one and she says, well, I, I see the same thing. And you see right here, you know, there's, a, there's an issue with, with some of his chromosomes. And so we're thinking, all right, my Lord, what's going on here? And so as time goes on, he... You know, he, he said it in a way that was, was, was not very kind and considerate. And so by the end of our appointment, I asked him the question. I said, so what are we having? And he says, well, you're having a boy. In the coming days, in the coming weeks, we, we leave the appointment and we get phone calls from our doctor's office. So have you considered other options for your child? He said, no. We're going to have this baby. We don't, we don't believe in terminating a baby. That, that's, the, that's the way of saying it. The other options. We say, no, that's not an option for us. Get phone calls every other week for the, for the first trimester. And as we are, are coming into um, uh, that summer of actually having the baby delivered, you know, we are, you know, we're obviously hurting. We're asking ourselves, you know, Lord, what's going on? We had certain, certain nurses were showing us pictures of kids that, that didn't make it to delivery based on the, the, the prognosis that, I, that they gave us. And we're just like, what are we supposed to make of this? And I just remember just, just sitting with my wife in our bedroom and, and just hugging her. And we're both tearing up. And, you know, we, we don't have an answer to, to what's going on. We, we don't have an answer to what's to what God is really doing in us. And I remember at that time just saying, Lord, Lord, give us the grace to make it through. God, give us the grace to, to just trust you in the midst of this. Lord, help our hearts to not become bitter or angry or inward. But God, may our expression be one that brings you glory. And so I remember about two weeks prior, we, we had a, a neurologist. He, he took a look at the baby 
it, 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 you know, inside my, my, my wife's womb and looked inside and said, wow, as, as I'm looking here, I see some fluid, but it's, it's, it's not as bad as they told you. He goes and he looks again and he says, I'm looking at the heart and the issue is not really with the, with the brain. The issue is with the heart because he's had, he has three valves that are open in his heart. And so, you know, we take the news and that news was actually so much better than the news that we had heard from before. Two weeks later, we have our son, Josiah, and uh, he, has, he has Down syndrome. He is a happy little boy. He comes out and, you know, he's got these holes in his heart and he's, he's in the intensive care unit for, for about a week or so. And, you know, we're just thankful to God. We're thankful to God. At the same time, you know, they told us all these different prognoses. You know, one of, well, you know, he's, he, because he has Down syndrome, he's not going to be able to suck for a while. And so we, we may have to consider some other alternatives for him, him being able to eat. You know, I go up to the, to the NICU to look at him, and he's sucking on a bottle. You know, and so I'm just thinking, like, Lord, like, you've given these doctors wisdom. You've given them, you've given them so much of an intellect, but God, that you are the great physician. That regardless of, of what they say about him, that, that, that you're the one who gives the ultimate prognosis. And so as we, we left the hospital, I mean, we were able to pray for, for our, our doctors. We were able to, to pray for our nurses. And we left, and we took our little boy home. The following year, he had open-heart surgery. He still has his little scar. And now he's, he's four years old, getting ready to turn five. And I look back at those moments and how my heart was broken. My, my heart was hurting. <laughs> but yet, I look at my heart and how God healed it. I look at now how God allowed that pain to, 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 to really show the purpose of the grace of God. To know that, that although my Savior was crushed and my Savior was beaten, that there was resurrection power that rested in him <laughs> that also rested in me. And to the point now where my, my wife and I have opportunities to speak to other families that have children with special needs on the state level to encourage them. I look at my son and how he's, he's like the, the most popular kid in the school right now. And so when he gets off the school bus, there's always a kid wanting to walk in the class. How he's, he's now just so cute to the lunch age that he gets just about whatever he wants in the cafeteria. <laughs> to, to my wife and I's, you know, displeasure at certain times. Because we see everything on his shirt when he comes home at the end of the day. But I think about it and what God has done in and through our lives through our little guy. And we can't imagine living without him. Can't imagine it. And I say that just to encourage those of you who are here today. And you may be going through your own personal challenge. You may be going through your own personal Josiah moment. My encouragement is to hold on. My encouragement is to, is, is to trust in Jesus. That don't hold on to the hurt, but allow Christ to be the one to carry the burden for you. Hmm. Because often it seems as if God is silent when we go through our hurts and our pains. 
And what's so significant is the fact that this week especially is a great reminder of the sacrifice that Christ paid for us on our behalf. That this, this whole week of Holy Week, Good Friday and next week, Resurrection Sunday, of knowing that our Savior, who had given his life on our behalf, is one who desires to carry the burden for us, who desires for us to live in freedom and to live healed so that we would be able to be the people that God wants us to be. Mm. Southbridge Fellowship family, my heart goes out to you, especially for those of you who are hurting. And so what I want to do right now is just even pray. Just pray for those who are, who are hurting right now, who may be going through personal tragedy, who may be dealing with people in their lives who maybe a month ago or a year ago or even five years ago are no longer here. That I want to give you encouragement to just keep holding on. Because your pain has a purpose. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your, for your resurrection power. That as believers in Christ, Lord, we, we realize that we're able to have victory because you experienced victory over death and victory over the grave so that we would be able to experience freedom and new life in you. And so, Jesus, my prayer right now is that you would meet us right where we are. That if there are those of us who are here right now who have, who have been holding on to our, to our hurts and, and holding on to our pains, God, I pray that they would be able to give it over to you. Because your word declares that your yoke is easy and that your burden is light. And that you want to carry every single concern on our behalf. And so, Jesus, I pray, God, that you would take that from them. Lord, I pray that they would be honest with you about where, about where they are so that your glory may be revealed in their lives. And then upon giving it over to you, Jesus, I pray that you would allow, us, allow them to experience relationship with you like they've never experienced before. May they experience peace with you like they've never experienced before. And joy and contentment because your spirit rests within them. Jesus, we thank you, God, for your glory and your grace. And we give you praise in Christ's name. Amen.